honoured to be here with you guys. This is uh, our favourite church we've ever been to. And we just, uh, we feel so humbled every time we come here because it kind of seems like a rip-off for you that you guys are so far down the track in your depth with God. It feels like, well, they want a couple of kids coming here and speaking to them. But you go where God tells you to go, don't you? And you trust that he's giving you the word for the moment. So I'm trusting that today. I'm trusting that today, that God has prepared our hearts. And it's so, we've just, on this journey in preparation for this weekend, it's been just so many confirmations from God. The four of us didn't chat and we all came back and said, what do you think this weekend should be about? And we all said the exact same thing. And it wasn't a topic I've ever heard at a conference before. So just a sense that God is on it. I had two dreams last night and shared with the guys before. I just might tell you two. And the, the first dream, they were just really short, just like little pictures. And the first dream was I went to my work van, that big thing there, opened up the, the sliding door and it was full of doors. Just full of like... 50, 60, 70 doors, like all doors standing up on edge. And then the second dream, I was like on top of the big hill, it was like, and um, thick bushes about that high, and there was a tiny trail, like only a foot wide, and I had to push through these bushes to get through. When I woke up in the morning, I could remember the dream, so I'm thinking, well, these are probably your God, God things. What do they mean, God? And I felt like this is what God said, and it was for you guys. And I felt like he was saying that there, there are doors this weekend that are open to you. There's a lot of doors. There's enough doors for everybody in this room. There's a whole, there's a truckload of doors. And you're being invited to step through into something new, somewhere where you haven't been before. And I don't mean that in any patronising way. I've already said I feel like a baby to, compared to some of you. I mean, awe of you have just kept growing the whole way of your life and I aspire to follow what you've done. So I don't say this in any patronising way. But there's always more, isn't there? This never gets boring because God's still taking us deeper and there are doors for you to walk through this weekend. And he said about the trail, this is a little trail and you have to push through because not many people go here. Not many people get to walk this trail because it's too hard. It's easier to stay down the bottom and you've got to push through. And his invitation to you this weekend is come through the door and push down the trail. I'm taking you to places that not many people have gone. That's why it's a skinny trail. Do you want to go there? Years and years ago when my kids were little about that high, I took him to the fireworks and I can't remember where it was, but it was something outrageous. I don't know if it was the Sydney Harbour, Harbour Bridge. You, you know, they go crazy on New Year's, don't they? They spend a truckload of cash and it gets flashed on the news all around the world. You see the Sydney fireworks, I don't know if it was that or the Story Bridge in Brisbane. 
but it was crazy. And my little kids are like losing their mind. They're like, whoa, Dad, did you see that? And they're pulling up, Dad, look at that one. Oh, look at, oh, that's amazing. Oh, well, and they're pulling my arm and they're pulling my leg. Dad, this is just crazy. And I'm looking around thinking, if we left now, we could beat all the traffic. <laughs> and my little girl, she, she's about that high and she's a cuddly little, she climbed up on me and she started pulling my eyes open. She said, Dad, can't you see? Look, look at that. And when I was driving home, I thought, that's what I need my relationship to God to be like. I need that wide-eyed wonder all the time. If I could even get the slightest glimpse of who he really is, I would leave him with my jaw dropped to the ground always. I'd be in wide-eyed wonder at who he is. And that perception would change how I relate to him. It would change how I do life. It would change everything. If we could get just even a pinch of a glimpse of who God really is in all his glory, in all his magnificence, in all his spectacular greatness. What a place to live. You like to live in that kind of, oh, just constantly blown away at who God is every morning and be fresh. And every spare moment that you got, you'd just be running to get in your dad's presence. This weekend is about God's glory. God's glory, the glory of God. I feel freaked out just even saying that, the glory of God. Can you imagine it? How glorious he is. How awesome, how wonderful, how great is his splendor. How amazing he is if we could just get a glimpse of him. God, I want to cry out for all of us this weekend. Show us your glory. Pour out on us. Just show us who you are. We want to know you. God, we need enough that there's just no duty to get up and do our quiet time in the morning or I've got to be disciplined and spend time with you. We just catch something that it's all we want, Lord God. We just want you. It's our, it really is our only desire. We want you so much. Around your glory, Lord God, this weekend. I just want to pray for us because this subject is impossible. I was preparing, I can't even prepare a message. How do you talk about the glory of God? How can you talk about somebody that is so great, so wonderful, so completely other from anything we've experienced, so not like us? How can you talk about God's glory? 
And when we try to, to describe somebody, we do it in terms of comparison, don't we? We say, well, he's built like a rugby player. Or she's got the Jennifer Aniston cut. Or her house is like, you know, someone else's. We, we have to go to a comparison. But God himself in Isaiah 40 says, to whom will you compare me? Who, are you, who can you compare God to? We're lost in this subject. What hope have we got? He is beyond compare. We have got no comparison to go to. To whom will you compare? God himself states the question. Who are you going to compare me to? How are you going to get a hold of my glory? To whom will you compare me? Because there's nobody. Even when he introduces himself to Moses, he says, I am who I am because he has to compare himself to himself. I can't tell you who else I'm like. I am who I am because there's no one greater, no one more glorious, more wonderful. You cannot grasp hold of how wonderful he is. So will you just pray with me because we're going to need a miracle. Do you want to grab hold of the impossible and get a look at God's glory? Okay, well, there's only two ways we're going to do it because you know what? Your little pea brain and my little pea brain, pea brain, I can't even say brain, pea brain ain't going to do it unless we get the promise of the illumination of the Holy Spirit, some kind of supernatural spirit-to-spirit communication of who God is. We can pray for that. Illuminate us and God... We want to have the boldness of Moses to call out what I hide. Show us your glory. Just by your choice, by your grace, pour out who you are. So, Lord God, this is what we're saying to you. We, we have got no hope. Who could comprehend who you are? So great, so wonderful. Your splendor is beyond our imagination. What hope has any preacher, any human, what we're going to comprehend who you are and explain who you are to somebody? A little finite, tiny brain explaining the infinite? What a joke. There's no one like you. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Father God. Come, Holy Spirit, and open our minds. Spirit to spirit, God, we need you show us who you are. What is the glory of God? What is it? You could go and look up your systematic theology, you know, a big, thick, impressive theological text, and you could look up the glory of God amongst the attributes of God, his goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, and look for glory, and it's not there. In Exodus 33, Moses says, show me your glory, and God says, okay. 
I'm going to put you in a cleft of a rock and I'm going to pass by and I'll make my goodness. Don't you think that's a bit weird? Didn't he say glory, not goodness? Would you show me your glory? He goes, okay, I'll show you my goodness. Does that mean his goodness is his glory? No. His glory is every aspect about him. Every attribute is beyond your comprehension. If you could capture his glory on, on any aspect of his personality, it would blow your mind. You would literally blow apart if you could comprehend God. Doesn't it say, no one can see my face and live? No, you are, no eye has seen and no mind has comprehended what I've got stored up for you. And is he talking about your mansions in heaven? My parents' generation, they all their churches always talk about, oh, can't wait to see my mansion in heaven. What a joke. Do you reckon when you get to heaven, you're gonna, he's going to go, well, why don't you go check out your mansion for a few hours and then come back and see me? What's the glory? It's God himself, isn't it? It is God himself. I don't even think, you know, when sometimes the word glory gets used about the consequences of God's presence. Talk about the glory of God. There was a cloud. I saw the cloud. Jewels popped out of thin air. There were gold dust on my hand all over my body. And the oil started leaking out of my palms. All that stuff is legit. But it's just a consequence of the presence of God. It's just a consequence of the glorious one. When you are in his presence, stuff happens crazy. But it, that's not the glory of God. That's just a consequence of the glorious one, isn't it? Who he is. And jewels just start to pop out of thin air at his presence. The glory of God is not one of his attributes. It is the truth about every aspect of who God is. It's the truth about all of him, every part. If you thought about his goodness and you comprehended how great it was, that would blow your mind and you'd fall on your face in worship. You'd be lucky to still be alive. If you comprehended how great his kindness was, you'd be blown apart. If you really grasped how wonderful his love is, it would be beyond you. Every aspect of who he is is glorious beyond belief, beyond our capacity to understand. The glory of God is like me having a discussion with a flea and saying, this is what I think about all day. I think about getting in the car and then I drive to work and then I calculate how much time each job will take me. And when I come home, I do this with my wife and my kids and I walk the dog and then I go down there. Now go and tell your friends. <laughs> what would the flea do? Eep! I don't know what a flea says, but that's the, that's the transaction that's taking place right now. It's like trying to Describe infinity by saying it's, well, it's like 10. 
or it's like a hundred or it's like a million or a billion or 10,000 times 10 trillion. You can't make a small enough prick in a string that goes around the universe to show how tiny any description you use and how inadequate it is for the glory of God. Whatever you try to say is a joke, so let me just alert you right now. Everything I say today is rubbish. <laughs> I, just, I can't have any hope of getting this right. Whatever I say is completely inadequate and we're just grasping at human metaphors that are nothing like how great he really is. What I've got prepared for you today is really like more of a Bible study than anything else. So I really hope you bought your Bibles because I mostly just want to read a bunch of scriptures to you. I can't give you any illustrations or stories. What do you do on the glory of God? You want to read some of the word with me and see how God describes himself? Let's look at some of the ways in which his glory is revealed. Before he thought about Exodus 33, in verse 20 he says, No one can see my face and live. Like, you cannot get a full revelation of this. Your pre-glorified body is literally not capable. It is not capable. It cannot cope with the unveiling of the glory of God. You literally could not live. This is not a cute metaphor. You literally would blow apart in the full presence of God. If his glory was revealed, your body, your mind could not cope with it. Think of 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13. God appears with a mighty wind. Let's go there. If you've got a Bible, I'm just hoping everything doesn't blow away here. From verse 11, the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake at God's presence. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But then the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle whisper. Elijah pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Come with me to Isaiah 6 verse 2. We're going to come back to this passage, but 6.2 is interesting. Above him were the seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. These are all passages about the glory of the appearance of God. His appearance, if you looked at him, why do you think the angels have wings over their faces? The seraphs of mighty angels. I wonder if even they can't look completely on the glory of God. They've got to cover their faces 
at the glory of God. Ezekiel 1, 25. Then there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the expanse over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal as if full of fire and that from there down he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds of a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. Daniel 7, 9 and 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing out, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. One Timothy six sixteen. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, who no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and glory forever. Revelation verse 1, sorry, chapter 1, verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head... His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance, and when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead. Revelation 21. 21, 10 and 11. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like a, a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the name of the 12 tribes of Israel and jumped down to 22. I did not see a temple in the city 
because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city doesn't need a light or the moon to shine up for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. What a thing to get a glimpse. The glory of God, His appearance. It's too much for us. What about the glory of His infinite nature? Already spoken a little bit how we can't explain infinite. Let's look at Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 from verse 12. Who has measured out the waters in the hollow of his hand? You you see the picture that's going on here? God gets all the waters of the earth, the oceans, lakes, rivers in the hollow of his hand. But it's a joke, isn't it? It's too small. It's just giving us something to try and get our little minds around. Or who, with the breadth of his hand, has marked off the heavens? of his hand. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counsellor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for older fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless. To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare to him? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith overlays it with golds and fashions silver chains for it. What a joke. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot so the poor little idol won't fall over. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner than they take root in the ground, he blows on them and they wither. 
and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. 25, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Or Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and he said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man and I'll question you and you'll answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you can come and no further, this is where your waves hold. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? We could go on and on. What about the glory of his holiness? Come with me to Isaiah 6 again. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and two they were flying, and they were calling to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And their voices, just the angels, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me! I cried, I'm ruined! For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Oh, the Hebrew word here, I'm undone, I'm unraveled, I'm literally disintegrating in the presence of God. I can see who I am as I look at his holiness and it's beyond my ability to cope. His holiness is so glorious, so wonderful. I'm unraveling. Even the word holy, it literally means I am separate. I am other. I am completely not like you are. What about his glory when his people gather? When his people, when we gather. Come with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 11 to 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, from verse 11. The priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves, regardless of their divisions, 
or the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Heman, Jedithan and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord accompanied by trumpets, cymbals and other instruments and they raised their voices in praise to the Lord and saying, He is God! His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Could we be so crazy as to ask for that this weekend? Bring your glory, Lord. Fill your temple as your people gather, Lord. Meet with us in ways we've never seen. Unveil your glory. The glory of his return is briefly mentioned in Matthew 24, verse 30. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they'll gather the elect from the four winds, from, the, from one end of the earth to the other. Now come to Revelation 19 with me. Revelation 19. From verse 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A while ago, Jen and I were on a holiday and I saw the same thing last night. We've been studying the return of the Lord. I don't understand it all. We're sitting out on a balcony over the ocean. I'm sure you can picture this in your mind's eye. It was a beautiful moonlit night and the moon shining through the clouds and it seemed like you could see for hundreds of kilometres the moon shining through the clouds. And we've just been reading this passage. Can you imagine? The saints of all the angels, of all the ages, the millions and trillions and billions of believers that have gone before us, that one day they are going to come through the clouds riding on white horses. They're going to burst through the sky, burst through the clouds, and Jesus will have great glory. And the whole world will see. 
I had some idiot say to me, because it'll be on TV. The number will be so great, so many angels, so many believers that they will do a lap of the earth, that the atmosphere will be full of his believers marching through the skies, full of angels. All of us will be coming on him if we're not still alive when he comes. We'll be coming through the clouds with him in great glory. Sing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you could just catch a glimpse of who he really is, like my kids with the fireworks, you would be undone. You'll be changed forever. God, just a pinch of who you are. Help us to understand. Open our minds. Spirit to spirit this weekend. Open doors. Take us on new trails higher and deeper with you places that not many people get to go to. Places deeper and closer to you. That we know you. We want to know you, Lord. We want to worship you. And give you glory. Can I invite our worship team back? Can you give God glory? Can you give him glory right now? Can you worship him with all your heart and mind and strength? Because he alone is worthy, isn't he? He is magnificent. His splendor is beyond belief. Can we stand and we worship and give glory, whatever that means? Give glory to God.